you for tuning in to Late and Disorganized on a um, special episode for me because I can see the numbers. I finally hit uh, 1,000 streams or downloads. I'm not sure how to count it, but the number hit 1,000, which isn't, in the grand scheme of things, isn't amazing. Isn't an amazing number, but to me, it's a very an amazing number because I never figured I would get more than 100. <laughs> But for um, a multitude of people to have listened to my podcast enough times to accumulate uh, 1,000 listens is real cool. And I appreciate everybody that has listened. And I hope that uh, there might have been a, a story that made you laugh at, or think of something in an insightful way or, uh, you know, one of the conversations that help you through something. If that happened, you know, that's the main reason I like doing this podcast. That's the main reason I do this podcast. So, you know, I hope that there may have been one episode, made one conversation that helped one person at the very least. You know, that means the most to me and I appreciate the listen. So on this episode, I'm going to try to do um, my segments because, you know, I want to be responsible, which means that... (laughs) I'm not going to uh, pollute this episode with uh, background noises of me driving and the ticker and all of that stuff because I want the audio to be okay. And in this relationship segment, I wanted to talk about our relationship with um, Headspace, which ironically is, uh, coincidentally, is the name of an app that I use from time to time to meditate. The great thing about... Um, meditation when you first start doing it is that you don't know how to do it a lot of what you think about meditation or what you think you want to get from meditation is based on things you've seen in movies or or seen in clips or just everything external and nothing internal so when you first start doing uh, meditation you're going into it with with preconceived notions and there's no way to really tell if you're doing it right and oftentimes, uh, you'll come across guided meditations that will tell you that, you know, if you follow along with the prompts, you're supposed to see yourself in a nice, beautiful meadow. And it's supposed to elicit th- these feelings and that feelings. And you're supposed to envision this and you'll get stressed out because you're not seeing any of that and you're not thinking of any of that. And you're losing... Um, yourself in the meditation because then you start thinking about what you're thinking about or what you're feeling and it removes you even more from the prompt and then you walk away from it feeling like uh it didn't do anything not only did it not do anything it actually made you more agitated because it brought up feelings you were trying to get away from or expose or anything like that so the ironic thing is that that is the point of meditation and as you get more into meditation and you start to experience brief moments of what it's supposed to do for you more of what a yogi may say or a guide may say will make sense to you one of the biggest things that started to make sense to me is when they would um, give moments of allowing you to sit in silence or they're talking and they're asking you to watch your breath, they might pop back in and say, "Um, don't mind if your mind wanders, just come back and focus on the breath. Like they know your mind is gonna wander but they never really uh, go into the reasoning why. And then as you continue to meditate, what you start to find is that when your mind is wandering, it's wandering towards a thought. And that thought is affiliated with a feeling. So the meditation is doing exactly what it's supposed to do, which is bring up on or elicit a feeling within you. 
for you to allow yourself to experience, live through, and let pass. But because I'm how our minds appear to be wired more and more recently, or just in the history of human is, humans, is that we like to apply a story to the feeling. And we get so caught up in the story that we ignore the feeling and let the feeling tie into the story. So now when, when we feel like our mind is wandering, we feel like it's wandering thinking about something, thinking about a story, and it's making us feel a way about the story, but we're not allowing us to feel the feeling. To go in deeper, it's sometimes you might meditate and say, I'm going to give a background for this. Say you're a young woman who um, has a child with a young man. You're both young. Uh, You both recently graduated from college. You're out of your parents' house. It's the first time that uh, you really had to take care of yourself. And your child is young. And you're realizing a lot of what your parents used to say as far as taking care of a child is stressing you out. And you got to go to work. Work stressing you out. Bills are stressing you out. Taking care of the kid is stressing you out. The person that you had the kid with, if it's just stressing you out and it feels like the whole weight of the world is on your shoulders and no one's understanding and you can't run back to your parents and ask for help and you're trying to take on that whole load on your own. So you sit and you meditate and you're listening to the guided meditation and you 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 do everything that you think you're supposed to do where you you get the the nice meditation music, you get the candles, you set the mood, you do everything that you think you're supposed to do to have a good meditation uh session. So now you got all that set up. You're listening to the guided meditation and you finally get a moment within the guided meditation where there's peace. And you get excited that, oh, it's working, and then you lose the peace. So you you dig dig a little bit back in and you allow yourself to relax and you get the peace. And then you have quiet, the candles, the darkness, the light flickering beyond your eyelids, everything, the moment is there and then it pops up a thought about your child and your uh, child's father. And because you have clarity at the moment, all of the answers that you were trying to figure out with certain things with them are popping up. So you're chasing each thought because now you have clarity and you think that that clarity is gonna allow you to solve your problems. And now, because you have the ability to solve a problem that's been frustrating you for a while, you're chasing the thought. Meanwhile, there are feelings behind the thoughts. This anger towards the person you had the child with. This feelings of desperation. This feelings of loss. This a shame of feeling that you could do better if you didn't have your child. There's just a multi, uh, multitude of feelings, but you're chasing the story because the feelings are too intense. And if you can apply your feelings to the story and not to yourself, it's less intense. You don't have to feel it. But that's the problem. You're supposed to feel. When you get to a point to where you no longer, you allow the story to draw out the feelings and then you let the story go but let the feelings stick with you and just feel the feeling. It, the story brings up shame. You let the story go and sit with the shame. And your mind's going to continue to try to take that burden off of you by continuously trying to apply that feeling to a story and you gotta fight that. You have to tell your mind, no, it's okay. 
allow me to feel this shame. Because rarely do we ever sit with negative emotions. As soon as it's on us, we're looking to get it off of us. Into a story, into an action, into another feeling. We rarely ever sit with sadness to really, you know, see how our sadness actually feels. When you sit with an emotion without the story and without a desire to get it off of you, you realize how intense the feeling is. You realize where you feel it in your body. Sometimes you can feel a certain feeling in your body when you when you're able to get to that point, you'll feel anger. And you're sitting and let yourself feel anger. And as you're, you're, you're feeling the feeling and you're scanning your body for where it feels the, 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 the a feeling the most, you'll feel it in your back. And it'll explain why you have so much back pain. Because that's where you hold your anger. It's like you'll be able to identify what parts of your body is associated with what feeling and when you're able to really sit and experience your feelings and realize that sadness shame sorrow anger are as powerful a positive feeling as happiness in a strange way you won't run from your feelings anymore you won't seek to attach anger to something else to get half of the weight off of you you allow yourself to to let it flourish in you because it feels just as good as happiness being able to be in touch with your feelings to let it flow from your feet to the top of your head anything when you're not running from it when you don't apply it to something else or label it when you just feel it they all feel the same and they all feel amazing it's just that we we're taught from the moment we're children by our parents to discard our negative feelings that we should be ashamed to have negative feelings stop crying or I'm going to give you something to cry about you raise your voice. So I know you ain't yelling at me. You better straighten up. You feeling shame. Stop acting like that. You, you told from a child that everything that doesn't benefit your parent is something that you should throw away. And then it leads you to growing up feeling like all of these feelings are things that that you're not supposed to have. So the minute you feel it, you're trying to get it off of you. That's why a lot of people are so triggered. The minute you upset them is not that they're upset, is that you made me upset. You made me feel a feeling that from a child I've been told I'm not supposed to feel. So now I'm upset, not because you did something, but because you made me feel a feeling that I now have to get off of me. Because if I don't, you're going to give me something to cry about. You know what I'm saying? We are all just children reliving our childhood subconsciously. But we can right that ship if we teach ourselves to feel the feelings that we were told we weren't supposed to feel. That's why we all give in to happiness so easily, to joy so easily, because those are feelings that we were told were okay. Unless you came up under a parent that was real strict, that didn't like to see a smile on your face, that didn't like to see you espouse joy, that didn't like to see you happy because they had some kind of tinge of jealousy towards you, 
Those are the people that you see that can't let go. They can't feel joy because they've been told since they were a child that joy isn't something that they're supposed to experience. So the minute they feel joy, they, they seek to get it off of them. They seek to find the problem. Because you're not supposed to feel joy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like Everything that we're doing out here is just subconsciously reliving what we were taught as children. But we can rewrite that story through meditation. Because through meditation, it teaches you to feel the feelings you were told you weren't supposed to feel without the need to get those feelings off of you because it's just you. It's just you in a quiet space. You're the only one that knows what's going on in your mind. It's okay for you to feel anger. There's no one here to tell you not to. It's okay for you to feel sadness. There's no one here to tell you not to. And the only person when you're meditating that will tell you not to feel that is yourself. And you need to have a conversation with yourself to tell yourself it's okay. So in relation to what is your relationship with Headspace, how far along are you if you started the journey of meditation because it's like the strongest connection that you can have with yourself. And the most important connection in the world is the connection that you have with yourself. We spend a large majority of our days fighting ourselves. To the point that the things that are outside of ourselves, we use to distract ourselves from ourselves. When you get to the point that you stop fighting yourself so much, you're going to realize how much things that you thought mattered did not, don't matter. They're less important. They have less of a tug on you because you're not trying to apply. You're not trying to live that emotion through that external object. A lot of times, I'm going to continue in a disorganized segment because that's something else. So what is your relationship with Headspace? To continue from the uh, previous segment in a more disorganized thought because I haven't really fleshed it out, but I just know... It's an occurrence because I've done the same thing and I'm sure you've done the same thing. It's nothing to be ashamed about. It's, it's all about in figuring out yourself. A lot of times what we find attractive in others or what we uh, what draws us to others or even what um, dispels others away from us are what is inside of us. So if you don't like someone and you don't know why, it's because they unabashedly expose something in them that you keep under wraps, that you really wish you could let go, but it's something that you can't let go of and they just unabashedly let it go. That's why a lot of uh, you see people who um, wanna behave as quote unquote Christians are so uh, dismissive and insulted towards people that um, are ex- exhibitionists are free and open. And it's only because you're, the way you are shows that it can be done. Not only can it be done, it can be done easily and it makes you happy. So now you're making me feel that I can do it, but I can't because I'm unable to do it. Because there's something in me that prevents me from doing it. But why, so why are you so free and open when you do it? And it causes jealousy, all of that. That's why, it, that's more than oftentimes it's jealousy. It's that you are able to feel something that I wanna feel. You feel it freely and I can't feel it at all. Or I feel shame when I feel it. So they are jealous. At the same time, you have people that you're attracted to 
it's oftentimes because you're not attracted to them. You're attracted to yourself. There's a part of you that exists only in your head. That you um, strategically don't expose in public because you may not have the bravery to stand behind it or for a whole list of reasons. So say inside of you, you're arrogant. You are confident to the point of arrogance inside of you. But externally, you behave humbly and diplomatically and you meet someone that externally exposes espouses that confidence and it it, it it turns you on or it excites you because it matches the energy that you feel inside it, it you you are watching who you are inside play out externally so you think that you're attracted to the person and it's like no that person is just the epitome of what you are inside what you wish you could be externally that's why a lot of times in relationships people grow apart because they were attracted to themselves and another person but they weren't able to be the way that that person is And over time, as they grow and as they are with that person, that person teaches them to be that thing. So as they become more confident externally and now their energy is a match, they are what they are with. Well, now it becomes normal. Now the other parts of that person's personality open up because you're no longer looking at them through the glare of what you like most about them. Now they're just a regular person. And now you notice all the flaws that they have. And now you're searching for why you found them attractive. And now you're searching and searching and searching. But that usually happens in a case where uh, you're enthralled by a, a certain personality aspect that a person has. And it's not about when you ask someone, why do you like them? And they start throwing out personality traits. That's when it's uh, normally that type of situation. You could ask someone. A lot of times you can find out if someone genuinely care about uh, someone is if you say, you know, why do you like that person? Or, you know, why are you interested in that person? And they can um, describe physical attributes. So there's a physical nature to why you like them. You know, I like their lips, I like their eyes, I like their nose, I like the way they laugh. You know, there is a personal thing about them it's not something that you can have inside of you that you can't connect to it's something personal to that person and then they can they would go on to explain deeds that that person might do like you know that person volunteers their time to you know read books to older people or children then it becomes a character thing. Like they can, they can, they will normally explain physicality, then character, then attributes. When they can give a a well-rounded vision of this person to you, that's when you can tell it's, it's, it's beyond me trying to find myself. You know, I know myself and I find these things attractive in this one person. It's usually very hard to um, find someone 
that you genuinely should be with when you don't know yourself. Because until you know yourself, you're just outside looking for yourself. That's the strange thing. Like, and it's not... It, when we were children, that was not the case. When we were children, we were just outside living. We like the, the, the time in your life where you had have the most diverse friends friend group is when you're a child. Because we don't care who we are. We're just living. And then after a while of being a child, the world, the world tries to tell you who you are. And then you start to look around for things to identify with. That's why people say that uh, nowadays the whole thing with they get they're getting mad at drag shows and the LTBGQ. I forget all the letters, and I do apologize. Uh, well, people will get mad at everyone about feeling like they're indoctrinating people. It's like no children attached to who they identify with as they're being told that they're supposed to identify with someone. So it's not that people are being indoctrinated to be lesbian or gay or trans or anything like that. It's just that they have, back in the day, it wasn't something that you could identify with openly. It's not that these people didn't feel that way. It's not that there weren't men that dressed like women or women that dressed like men or men that slept with men or women that slept with uh, women. It's not that that didn't exist. It's just that it wasn't allowed to exist openly. And they didn't have many uh, models to model themselves after or to say that it was okay. And now that more people are openly doing it, now you can get a, a group of kids that can look at someone and say, oh, this is how I feel inside. Oh, that's the way I'm supposed to be? Because I feel this way inside? So it's like the more examples that you can give kids that just because you're a gay man don't mean you have to be a stereotypically gay man. You know, as far as the things that people try to attribute negative, negatively to gay people, it's like you. there's a multitude of different ways that you can be if you're gay. All the same with being black or Asian or white or anything else. It's like the more you allow people to be themselves, the more kids, the more bubbles that kids can grasp out of the air and say, hey, do I want to be this way or do I want to feel this way? What, which way do I identify with? And that's why a lot of us as adults, uh, we did it discreetly, in, indiscreetly, is uh, connecting ourselves to people that exhibited things that we felt about ourselves, rather than explore who we were as people. This is why a lot of the relationships was like, hey, that person has a swagger. Internally, I have a swagger, but that person can express it externally. I like my, I see myself in them and I like that. It's like, but the, the good news about it is you like yourself. You are attracted to you because you are attracted to you and other people. You just have a hard time coming to terms with that it's okay for it to be in you. You know, and the kids, um, the kids going to do what the kids going to do. Like they, the way that they court isn't the way that we court or the way our, our parents court. It's like everyone's trying to, I hate people saying they want things to go back to the old days or the old ways. It's like the old days are over with. Like you, you can still, if, if you grew up in a time where you meet a young woman and you take them out and you show them a a time during the entire day where y'all go do stuff 
and y'all talk and y'all eat and everything like that. And then you, you, you take her home and you give her a peck on the cheek and she go in the house and all that stuff. If that's the way that you've always done it and that's the way that you're comfortable and that's the way that you want it to be, then just do it that way. You get mad at people, other people because they ain't doing what you want to do. Because you're doing that with a girl and then she's saying that you lame because you old-fashioned. Like, yeah, because it's her. Like, that's the whole point of what dating used to be is experimentation with different people until you find the person who's compatible with you. Everybody want to hit the bullseye. Like, date, that, that's the, the, the trouble that a lot of dating apps have caused is these these uh compatibility things like this person does this so this should be this is the 80 percent shot so they go into it thinking that they're already gonna like nah like for me honestly for me it's crazy to go out with a complete stranger that i met on the on the app like just a couple of days prior have no knowledge of who this person is other than what they said on the app like that's wild to me it reminds me of um uber being so wild like i I was in baltimore with my sister going to a grocery store we come out the grocery store she whistled for some random guy they they call a hat to take us like not actually like you always do this and she's like yeah it's like it's crazy for the thought of me the thought of a woman young attractive woman getting in the car with a random guy that she doesn't know and trusting that that guy's gonna take her home like that's wild for me that was wild back then so now when I could see Uber it's like that's amazing that people just get in the car with strangers or let strangers in their car like someone that that has a snapshot and a quick rundown of who they are I'm amazed at how trusting this world has become. It's like, it's a very weird thing. I forget who said it. Like, the the best way to come at an enemy is to convince everyone that he's both a genius and an idiot. And that's how I feel about everyone's trusting nowadays. Like, everyone doesn't trust anyone but then overly trust everyone. Like, how do you exist in that space? Like, you ever seen a lot of these young rappers who sit there and rap a song with 20 of their friends on stage and the song is about not trusting nobody. They move around with a huge entourage, but then consistently talk about don't trust anyone. Call, say they they have love for their bros, but then talk about don't trust no one. Like, how do you live in that chaos of not trusting no one but at the same time surrounding yourself with too many people to trust shit i don't feel comfortable with two people around me i don't know what the fuck they might do now you moving around with 20 people and at the same time feeling like you can't trust nobody and you getting high like you getting inebriated cutting off most of your senses with 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 drugs and noise and darkness and you saying don't trust nobody <laughs> like that's the worst situation to be in if you don't trust nobody like it the whole world to me is just weird like it's, it's it's a bunch of people at the same time i'm not telling nobody to go back to how things used to be i'm not telling nobody to be like me because i know how weird i can be or my quirks and everything like that i just honestly don't understand like, I put a lot of thought into trying to understand what I don't understand because it just don't make sense to me. Like, I wish I could understand how someone who does that feels. Like, where is your mind frame? Like, someone like a rapper like Future that appears to be below the surface a hopeless romantic but consistently gets with women who only want to be with him because he's future and he has money but on the low you could tell he's looking for 
that woman. But with every incursion that he has, the belief that that woman is going away. It's like, so you got to give up one or the other. You got to completely go left and be heartless to women or let go and let go of the, 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 the delusion that there might be this one, you know, Drake is doing the same thing. It's like, it's, it's, I, 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 I just don't get people who uh, live in duality like that, like those extremes. Like, if I know someplace is dangerous, it's dangerous. And I don't fool myself into not thinking it's dangerous. And I don't behave like it's not think like it's not dangerous because I know it's dangerous. But I'm still gonna go into it if I have to, with the understanding that it's dangerous. But I'm not gonna ever fool myself into thinking that it's not dangerous. If I can't trust someone, I'm not even gonna put myself around them because it's too much of a risk for me to not to be around someone I don't trust. Like, there's too much that can happen. And I need to trust people around me. I don't know, man. I, 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 maybe if you are someone who does it, I, I, I understand duality. I just don't. I don't get it, man. I don't get the kids doing it. I don't get the person who uh, is flashy and does things to attract women that like the flashiness knowing that they ain't you know for them for anything else and then come out their mouth talking about bitches ain't shit it's like yeah the ones you attracted on purpose yeah <laughs> it's like I, the nerve of you to have feeling about like it's like fishing with a certain bait that only gets sharks and then getting mad that you only getting sharks I don't get it it's like you but you know what you looking for why are you mad at the whole ocean when you specifically searching for a certain kind of fish? <laughs> like you think the guppy is going to come where the sharks are? It's a problem for them to be there. I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. And that's the, um, the organized section or oh, whatever, whatever we doing here. This is the, a milestone show for me with um, 1,000 episodes played or downloaded. I figured I, I should tell a milestone uh, story. I think the first milestone that I uh, had that I was very much proud of was the, uh, the milestone of getting my license. Uh, was it getting my license? No, it was the, the milestone was getting my uh, permit. Because if you're from the South, the uh, public transit isn't great. It doesn't come often. A lot of the cities and towns aren't built for foot traffic. So you're riding, biking, you know. So having a car was very meaningful to girls or made to um, feel very meaningful to girls. So it's like down south getting a car to a guy you know is uh, getting the ability to to move about how you want to move about in a car to a guy was like the pinnacle to a young man so um i think the first time i went and tried to get my uh my uh permit i got it i no, I think I, I went in there cocky like I always am because I always feel like, how hard could it be? I'm intelligent and gotten and failed. <laughs> I always go into things cocky. I always like, I'm always overconfident. I don't know why that's a thing about me, but I always go into things overconfident, fail, and then come back. It's like, maybe it's a built-in tenacity. I don't know. But I think sometimes I wish I could curb that. But it's gotten me far. So the second time I went back, uh, went back with my cousin and one of her friends, and it was like irritating to me because this is my second time trying to do this. And she like, we all in the room that we got to stand up in front of a computer. 
she over there and there's a monitor in there she in the corner whispering to me asking for answers and i kind of feel compelled like i gotta help her but at the same time I was like you get you you know you fucking me up trying to help you like i ain't trying to like fuck that I, I, this is my second time doing this i don't fail i'm not gonna fail twice so i, I feel the kind of way like you putting me in a position where i'm compromising myself for you I don't like I don't like people making me feel like I gotta compromise like that. For me, that moment with that particular individual changed because I liked her up to, up until that point, and I viewed her like in a positive light. But it changed uh, my total impression of her because like I don't fuck with anyone that makes me compromise myself for them. Period. So that that really uh, irritated me about that person. So I got my um, my license, my, my permit, and I was reading in the book that there used to be something called the conditional uh, license, where if you got your permit, it could be conditional where you don't have to drive with someone over 18 from, um, I think it was 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. or something to that effect, but it was just in the book, but it didn't exist anymore. But I told my aunt, who had a car that um that I could that I had a conditional uh, license because I knew she wasn't gonna look it up. But all I had to do was tell her that it used to exist, and someone someone was around who was old, like, oh yeah, that's a thing. And that's all I needed because <laughs> I, I I learned really at a very young age that a lot of people really ever look deeply into things. You can give them baseline understanding, and they'll go roll with it. Uh, so she let me uh, take her car. And as soon as I got got her car, I, I, the girl I was going out with, or dating at the time, was like, yeah, we about to just roll around. I'm going to show how I fly I'm driving this car. So I'm driving around with her, and she just, she's super, uh, I don't know, she was real anxious. Like, every time we would come next to a semi, I think she must have been a, a crash. I knew someone who, who was in a crash, because every time we would come near a semi, she would just... I don't know. She was weird. She's being weird. It wasn't the experience I thought it was going to be because she was like, even though she she had a tough, she was she actually had a real tough exterior. For her to uh, turn into like a fearful person when she got in the car, it kind of threw me off. It fucked up my experience because here I am thinking I'm gonna like impress you and we're gonna have a good time driving, and you sitting over there like you a coward or feeling some kind of way. It pissed me off. <laughs> I don't know why it just bothered me. So we we end up coming to this turn where it was a, a cop in front of us, and the cop like kind of angled their car like they was going to make a left turn, and I came up on the right. And you know I'm thinking if they're going to turn left and I'm on the right, when the car passed by that's coming coming up the street, I'm gonna go ahead and make my turn. So I go to make my right turn, and this fucking cop cuts in front of me from the left side of the lane. And I'm looking at him like, yo, what the fuck? I wasn't uh, wise enough as a driver to know like you don't put yourself in a position when you riding dirty <laughs> in a sense. You don't put yourself in a position to be accosted by police. But the girl had already pissed me off so I wasn't thinking right. So I got pulled over and I tried to give them the same conditional license shit you know they wasn't going for that they was like nah whoever the car this is get them on the phone and they gonna come we gonna get them on the phone because this is before cell phones we gonna get them on the phone and they gonna uh come get this car <laughs> so they they called my aunt and she came to get the car and uh took the girl home got me home and i'm in the house like damn i'm in trouble now so i went and asked my aunt like because i was kind of like she was kind of like my my uh, custodian, a guardian. That's what they call it, guardian. I don't want to say custodian. She was like my guardian. I think I was like 15 when all this happened. Some shit like that. It's 15, 16. Who knows? But um, I asked her when I got in the house, like, can I go outside? She was like, Why are you asking me? I was like, Oh yeah, I, I, I completely forget sometimes that no one has control over me. <laughs> like I could do whatever I want. So. I, I go outside. No, I called my girl and I told her, like, you know, uh, to come over. Or I'm going over to her house. And she was, like, super excited. 
and everything. And like when we when I met with her, her heart was beating and everything. Talking, oh, I thought you was in trouble. That's when I realized that women are kind of like like females. I'm sorry to all the female listeners, and I'm sure all of you ain't like this. But that's when I realized uh, at a young age that women like for their men to get in trouble, to put themselves in high heroin positions and, and live through that experience. Like, no matter what actually happens to them, what consequences he may face, just the thought that he's in danger for some reason elicits emotions in them and I don't know why y'all are like that I honestly don't know like at, I, I learned lessons real quickly and it only took me one time to see the uh the the enticement in her eyes when we reconnected that I was like wow you're fucking weird and crazy <laughs> like I couldn't from a man from male standpoint if I'm with a chick and Like, say I'm chilling with her, her mother pull up, and she not supposed to be, she wasn't supposed to be outside, and her mother grab her up and throw her in the car and slam the door and pull her off and go home, and I reconnect with her. I'm worried about her. That shit don't excite me. I was like, yo, what the fuck happened? Like, there's a feeling of worry. It's not, you know, I'm not enticed at all. I'm, like, trying to figure out what the fuck. But with women, it's not like that. It's definitely, it's not a... a that type, that same type of what the fuck is a turn on and some crazy fucking, that's like I said, man, there's so many things about the human mind that I wish I could understand. I, I wish I could understand why that's such a, such a turn on for women. I really do. Cause it's such a weird thing to be turned on by. Where was I? That was a milestone for me. That all happened within a week of me getting my permit, a couple of lessons life lessons that I learned and um I thought I was a little player like man I had it was a point in time where I got enough confidence in in my looks physically and my ability to charm women and I used to have like old women that used to let me use their car by telling them I had a conditional license which really looking back is kind of bugged out that someone can be in their uh 30s and 40s they letting the teenager uh drive their car or you know finesse them like when you see a lot of these stories nowadays these teachers getting in um relationships with these young boys and everybody's acting like yo where that where that when they do that at where that start happening like that shit been a thing it just you know Young men didn't talk about it or there wasn't an outlet for men to share the news of that to the point it could spread and become a social media issue. Like a lot of people think a lot of this shit on social media is new. It ain't new, man. It's just that social media wasn't around when we was a kid. Like think about all the dumb, think about all the dumb shit we did and if social media was around. Like I tell wild stories right now, like but there's a like as wild as a story I'll tell. There's stories that I would never tell because it was I did some dumb shit. <laughs> I'm happy social media was not around. When we were kids, like oh, because we got to experience sitting on the the porch and kicking it, talking about people from magazines that we'll never ever see or meet in person. You know, talking about Jordan. Or, or Tupac and Biggie, but it wasn't like a thing where we were individually in the room looking at a phone, talking to someone in another uh, state or whatever. We would all, you know, congregate at someone's house. And then we would all move around as a unit. And that's how you met people. And that allowed you to, to understand people and get, get a feel for who they were. Like you would have a crush on a girl before you uh, you ask a girl out, you would you would have to had spend time around her for a while before you built up enough confidence. To, if it's someone you really like, you got a feel for who they were, and then you would go out. It wasn't like I said before in the previous parts. It wasn't like in like you just 
felt like you hit a bullseye and everything better go right. If you like, if you got a crush on a girl and you spend time with her and you feel like after the time you spent with her that, eh, she ain't really who I thought I was, y'all could just disconnect and it wasn't no thing. Now it's like dudes would take a chick out and think they're going to get sex and know they're not going to get sex and be like, well, hey, I ain't paying for your uh, food. Y'all seen that video of the fucking dude who's eating his steak on the uh, takeout uh, carry-out tray cover? <laughs> he just eating some dry steak on the carry-out tray cover. Like, how petty are you? Oh, man. But that's uh, the story uh, situation for the 1,000th episode and I think when I got my license, my very first license, I had the biggest smile on my face because uh, I, I I paid a friend, which I don't I don't know why the fuck that is such a dumb thing for me to do. If I consider that person a friend, I paid a friend to use their car. I drove all the way to the DMV. The lady gets in the car with me. I did everything I was supposed to do. We get back to the damn DMV. She said, you did everything right. You did everything you were supposed to do, but you did one thing wrong. Can you tell me what that is? And I'm looking on, thinking about the whole drive. I'm looking around. I'm like, nah, I, just, I know I did everything right. She said, the emergency brake is on. And it wasn't like the one that knew how you could just kick your foot underneath where the uh, pedal is. Nah, it's that joint in the middle that used to hit the button and pull up. And I'm thinking to myself, why the fuck did this dude even put the emergency brake on? She was like, you know what? But I know this ain't your car because it's impossible for you to have a car. So I, I'm going to go ahead and assume you just didn't know it was on. I'm going to go ahead and say and uh, confirm you for your license. Man, I had the biggest smile on my face. I was like, ain't no way I'm doing this shit again. <laughs> but the, my first license, uh, I wish I could have kept that picture. I had the biggest smile on my face. And then shortly after, I got my first car, which there's an episode that um this title is sitting on Dayton's that's my uh first call and after I got my first call I got my first uh shitty apartment experience and that episode was called why you in here and yeah man like I never it's, it's always been about the journey for me I never went outside looking to do nothing fun shit just always happens and that's that's the truth about life when you don't we get to a point where we become adults we start searching for specific things and we forget that when we were kids like the most exciting things that happened we weren't even looking for 